You know, sometimes, sometimes we find ourselves tied up. Sometimes we just can't get loose. It might be that we're trapped in a cycle of defeatism. Sometimes we're we're trapped in a a sin that so easily entangles us. Sometimes we're trapped in a place where the expectations of others, we just feel like we just can't live up to it. Sometimes we're trapped in darkness. The darkness that touches our lives because we have no power within us to be good enough for the Lord. And the good news is that when we discover that Jesus Christ came into this world to set free the captive, to set free those who are oppressed and burdened, we find a whole new life. I want to talk to you about that this morning, and as we look at God's Word, we're going to be in Luke chapter 4. I want to invite you to take your Bible and go to Luke chapter 4 as we think about God's gift to us, God's gift of healing and God's gift of freedom that comes to those who've accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, as Messiah. And I'm going to ask if you would to stand with me as we read this short portion of Scripture. On this particular day, the Lord Jesus has gone to the synagogue. He has been tempted in the wilderness, and now as he comes to the synagogue, the place of his hometown, he reads a passage out of the book of Isaiah, which is a prophetic passage about the Messiah and what the Messiah would do. And Jesus makes the bold claim at the end of reading this passage that this very day that he read this in the synagogue, that he was fulfilling the promise of Isaiah as Messiah. And so this morning, as we celebrate Christmas time once again, recognizing the birth of our Savior, and by the way, Merry Christmas to all of you. I hope you have a wonderful, memorable Christmas. And today, as we're gathered here, we remember the birth of our Lord and what it means for us. And this passage tells us what Jesus came to do. Let's read it together, Luke chapter 4, beginning with verse number 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, 
to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, thank you for your wonderful gift to us in Messiah. Lord, your word declares that it is an indescribable gift, and certainly as we plumb the depths of your mercy and grace, truly, it is inexpressible for us in words to understand and to comprehend the glory, the magnificence, the generosity of your gift. But Lord, we say thank you. And gathered together in this place today, we recognize with all the trappings and the fun of this time as we celebrate, we recognize that the central message of your mercy and grace it came to us in the advent of Jesus, born in Bethlehem of a virgin. And so, Lord, we praise you and thank you for your wonderful gift. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. When we begin this series of messages, we talked about God's incredible gift, to a gift that includes preaching the good news, the good news of Jesus Christ to the poor, to those who were materially uh, lacking, but mainly and also to those who were spiritually poor, those who have humility in their hearts, because only those who have humility and recognize their spiritual poverty, only those are those who are able to receive the grace and mercy of salvation. The Bible says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Jesus came proclaiming good news to the poor. He came and proclaimed liberty to the captives. And Pastor Sean talked about that a couple of weeks ago, about how God releases us. And today, we'll kind of combine that as well into this message. We preached last week about the reality that God gives us the gift of discernment before, because the Lord anointed the Savior, the Savior full of the Holy Spirit, the second person of the Trinity. He came to help recover sight to the blind. And the presence of the Lord gives us discernment to help us to understand right from wrong, to help us recognize our spiritual poverty and the need for salvation. The scripture today is focused on this part of the verse where it says that the Lord was anointed so that he might proclaim good news and to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so now as we think about this this morning, I want to just share with you some, some things that might be helpful to you. First of all, Jesus came to bring good news to bring noise, news of joy. As the angel said, we have great news for you, news for great joy for all of the people. Unto you this day a Savior is born, and he is Christ the Lord. Jesus saw himself as coming with good news. It's unfortunate that so many uh, of us, so many Christians, so many pastors, so many churches, we always get the picture of we're bringing bad news, but the reality is we're bringing great news in Christ. We do talk about the bad news from time to time. The bad news of our lost condition. The woes of our world under the tyranny of sin. 
But the good news is that Jesus has come and made provision for us. And so, as a herald of righteousness, the Lord came, and, and he came to set at liberty. First of all, I want you to notice these truths from the Bible. Number one, he came to provide freedom from eternal denunciation or condemnation. Can you imagine what it would be like to be condemned all of your life, all of your eternity? And yet for those outside of Christ, the reality says they stand condemned already. And, and each one of us knows that we don't measure up to the holy standard of God. But the good news is that when Christ came, he came to liberate us from the penalty of sin. He delivers from the wrath of God, if you will, through his sacrifice. And by imputing or giving to us his righteousness. What an amazing thought to think that me... A dirty sinner could attain the righteousness of Christ, and yet that is what the Bible says. The Scripture declares that we are justified completely in Him. Not because of anything we've done, but all because of what He promised. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 1, it says... It says this in verse 7, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. I tell you what, when you get saved, it's really not about being forgiven so that you can continue to sin. It's about realizing the mercy of God because you are a helpless sheep, a creature impossible of fulfilling the calling of God on your life and by His great mercy, you're saved by grace through faith. I'm so grateful for that because as I think about this, I realize, as the Apostle Paul said, that apart from the Lord, nothing good dwells within me. The Bible tells us that we are saved from eternal condemnation, but the Bible also tells us that we are saved from the compelling inward deviancy that is within each one of us. The Bible tells us because we have a sin nature, the scripture says that as Adam fell, we as children of Adam, we come to that place to where we sin against God. Inevitably, we fall into sin because there's something within us that is an enemy of God. And everyone experiences this, but in Christ, with Christ, he came to provide freedom from the power of sin. He comes and delivers us from the penalty of sin, and he comes and delivers us from the power of sin. We have that compelling tendency within each of our lives to quickly choose wrong. I don't know why my wife is like that. Oh, I'm, I'm already, yeah. I don't know why I'm like that. See, I just made a big boo-boo. 
But, but we, we, you know, Jesus said every careless word men will give an account of on the day of judgment. Lord, help me. The good news is for me and for my wife and for many of us, that was all settled on Calvary. Even careless words. You know, the scripture tells us that we have some incredible promises in Christ. We have the promise of everlasting life. We have the promise of, of one day being, uh, it, it being robed in glory. The scripture talks about you and I as the sons of God and the daughters of God as, as one day being transformed to the twinkling of an eye. And it will be an incredible experience. I'm excited about that. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward for that redemption. Not just now being pardoned of my sins and not just now being sanctified in the sense that God is giving me power not to live according to the flesh, but to live according to the Spirit. I'm looking forward to that day when one day I will be delivered from the very presence of sin. And the Bible says that in Christ, the glory of Christ will shine in us and we will not be impaired by the sin nature. You know, the sad thing is the entire creation has been subject to frustration, the frustration of the fall and sin. But when Jesus came, he came with the promise of giving us his very precious Holy Spirit within. And the Bible tells us that right now his Holy Spirit is drawing us and guiding us and wooing us to walk in cleanness before the Lord. And so when Christ came, he delivered us from the penalty of sin. When Christ came, he brought with him the promise of freedom from that compelling inward deviancy that we all have. And the scripture says that his spirit leads us. I like this passage, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 7. If you know anything about the church at Corinth, boy, they were a, they were a who's who for a crazy, wild, uh, hypocritical church. By the way, if you ever find a church that doesn't have hypocrites in it, then don't join them. Because once you do, they won't be perfect anymore. We all are hypocrites. We all fail to live up to what God has told us to live up to. But the good news is that God is merciful. And when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, he died for all of your sins. The sins of the past, the sins of the present, and the sins of the future. When you accepted him, his grace became efficacious or active in your life. And he's given us some wonderful promises. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. In other words, we're going to live out our salvation with fear and trembling. We're going to try to do the thing that God has called us to, knowing that he has equipped us for that very thing. I sometimes make excuses for my poor behavior. Well, 
if she didn't do that, or well, if he didn't do that, or if that guy hadn't cut me off yesterday on the road, you know, then I wouldn't have done it. No, we do it because we have a personal problem with putting self and self-interest ahead of what God desires for us. But the good news is that we don't have to live like the godless world out there. I mean, it, all it takes for you to realize there's something broken in the world is just take a look at what's going on in the world. People are just crazy. Crazy lost, crazy sinful. But the wonderful good news is that the Lord brings freedom from the penalty of sin and also He brings freedom from the power of sin to lead us into sin. I tell you, I know that's hard to believe, but it's true for those who are in Christ. He has delivered us. And the Lord delights in giving liberty. You know, it's interesting. When you look at this passage of Scripture, Jesus is quoting from the prophet Isaiah. If you read the prophet Isaiah in chapter 58 and chapter 61, Jesus stops quoting the prophet at a particular place. He speaks about proclaiming uh, liberty to the captives, proclaiming good news to the poor, recovering sight of the blind, to set at liberty those who were oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He says all of this, but then he stops before he gets to the next words about the day of the Lord's vengeance. Why do you suppose he did that? He did that because this is the age of mercy and grace. And Christmas ought to be a time when we're reminded that God has given us an opportunity to respond. He poured out his Holy Spirit upon the church. The Holy Spirit who brings conviction of sin. The Holy Spirit who brings uh, awareness of, of righteousness in Christ and awareness of the day of judgment that is to come. And by His conviction, we come to that place to where we recognize our need for the Lord. There's great freedom in that. And there's joy in that. And I'm so grateful. I look back on my life and I can just tell you that there were seasons when I walked in a place of iniquity. My thoughts were corrupt. My life was corrupt. And then I came to know the Lord and everything changed. Right? Amen. Amen, it did. I became a new creation in Christ Jesus. But the new creation still struggles. And the good news is that the Lord empowers us to say no to temptation. The Bible tells us, and Jesus came and he, and it's interesting because this word that is used here to, to proclaim liberty, to, to set at liberty, it's a word that means to loose us from the bonds of sin. It's a word that, de that describes for us that, that there's that moment where the bonds are broken, where he, he unties the, the, the things that are keeping us away from him. 
In other words, the Bible says that without Christ, we are aliens to his grace, that we are captive to do the will, not of God, but we're captive to do the will of of Satan, an enemy. And the reality is that those who don't know Christ, they, they are held in sway, not only by their own sinful desires, but they're held in sway by this spiritual power of evil and wickedness in our world today. They are bound. The scripture says they are children of disobedience. The Bible tells us that they are children of darkness and their leader is Satan himself. But when the Bible talks about setting us free, the word that is used describes an untying and a breaking of those bonds that are keeping us away from God. Freedom. Release. You know, everybody's at a different place in life. Some of us recognize how pitiful and how destructive a life bound by the satanic prince of darkness. We realize that, you know, the Bible says that sin is fun for a season. But in the end, it is bitter. And many of us have experienced that time when everything that we thought was a lot of fun, now we look back on it and we realize how destructive it was for our lives. You get older, you get a little bit wiser about those things. You realize the consequences. But when Jesus came to give us liberty, he came to, for, to give us freedom from from, uh, f- from the condemnation. He came to give us uh, freedom from the power of sin over our lives. He came to give us freedom from the infernal devilry. He liberates us from darkness, the Bible says. Jesus said, I have come to set the captives free. When you look at that passage, it speaks about the Lord delivering us. And this word literally means those who've been, in, they've been prisoners of war. You may not realize it, but we are all in a, in a great spiritual battle. There's a great spiritual battle between God and from uh, the fallen angels and Satan and those who are of the world. And the scripture says there's an internal battle going on all the time. And you and I, we like to think of ourselves as very pragmatic, practical people who, I guess... Many people just have a hard time conceptualizing the spiritual side of life. But if you're honest with yourself, you realize there has to be something more than we can see, that we can hear, that we can measure with quantitative instruments. There's more to life. Why did life begin in the first place? And how do we account for some of the things that are happening in our world today, we have to give credence to what the Bible teaches us, and that is that there is a spiritual enemy against us. Jesus said, I've come to release the believer from corruption that is prompted by this satanic world system, and Jesus' presence, his Holy Spirit, delivers us from slavery and possession 
of the enemy. Notice what the scripture says in Colossians chapter 1. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. It would be terrible if God just delivered us from the penalty of sin, but then he just let us go our own way. He delivers us from the penalty and the power of sin, and he places us into the kingdom of his son. The good news is, and why you're here this morning, I know, as you celebrate Christmas, probably most of you, it's because you realize this is about the birth of Messiah. Look at all these gifts here. These are wonderful gifts, but you know, Christmas is not just about toys for children. Some people make the mistake of not being able to celebrate the birth of Messiah because they see too much materialism. Let me just encourage you. Let me encourage you to think about making Christ the center of your Christmas. But, but let me also encourage you not to, not to be Scrooge and not to be willing to, you know, bless others, you know, encourage others. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe it would be wonderful for you to give a gift to somebody who otherwise would not be able to afford one. You know, the wise men, they gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh to the family of Jesus, and it blessed the family, provided for them resources, and blessed them financially and spiritually. And I don't think it's, it's wrong for us to give gifts. I think that we run the danger of making material things the center of our Christmas. But really, when you begin to think of it as a way to encourage and bless others, then it's a wonderful thing. Let me just say a couple things about these gifts. Because at the conclusion of this service now, I'm going to invite you to come up here and pick out one or two gifts that you would be willing to give to a child who may not experience anything this year. Certainly some of you know some children that are struggling. Their families are struggling financially, and for them it's, not, it's a hard thing. And when you give them this gift, I want you to do two things. Number one, I want you to let the child know that this gift is a gift that comes from uh, a number of sources. Let me just tell you that I, I'm so grateful for uh, our football team uh, at the Villages. You know, every year those guys, those guys take up a collection of toys, and that's where these came from. The football players buy toys for children that won't have a Christmas gift, and the idea is that they want to bless others. And I got a phone call on Friday night from from Coach Pettis to let me know that these gifts, he was willing to give these gifts to us so that we could make these gifts available to underprivileged kids. If you'll look at these gifts, they're probably not something that a 30-year-old would want, but, you know, I hope not anyway. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I like your sweatshirt, Kevin. Mary. <laughs> So, so I'm just telling you right now, before we get to the invitation, 
This is an opportunity for you to share the love of Christ. It's not about trying to embellish materialism. This is about saying this gift comes from some people that want you to know that you are loved in Christ. And I want you to make sure that they understand this is something that comes from those who are followers of Christ and we wanted to bless you. I've already given some out. Let me just also say that there are Bibles here. If you, if you need a Bible, if you know someone needs a Bible, you can take a Bible. There's some, there's some, uh, some books here to, about how to help Christians grow in the Lord. We've even got something that I think is fantastic, and it's a pen right here. See that? That's a pen. It's got our church name on it, okay? <laughs> Go ahead, take them. Now, Sarah's going to fuss at me because I got all the pens that I could find. And I got all the Bibles I could find and everything else. So we're going to have to reorder. But this is meant to put, be put in the hands of people who need them. So please, think about this right now. Who, who do you know? Who do you know that needs a Bible? Who do you know that needs a help growing in their walk of faith? And, and what children out there need to know that there's somebody who cares about them, that the Lord loves them? I want you to make sure that they understand that. But please, don't leave this church uh, without missing the opportunity. There's one more thing I want you to see in this passage of Scripture because the promise of Jesus in the Advent season is about providing forgiveness of our sins and, and freedom from the power of sin so that we can live a good life, a righteous life. Uh, the, the, the Advent of Jesus Christ is about Him coming and defeating darkness and doing away with the power of Satan. And yes, Satan, who is the prince of the power of the air, he does have capacity and ability right now, but those who are in Christ, are, they, they have nothing to fear from Him because the Holy Spirit who dwells within us is greater than He who is in the world. And we do not fear those who will take the body. Rather, we fear the one who is able to consign to hell, and that is the Almighty Father. And so, we consider our lives as offerings unto the Lord. But there's one more thing I want you to realize. And in this passage, in verse number 18... And when the translators translated this, if you're reading the authorized version, you'll see this phrase in there. Uh, some of the other translations, the same word is used uh, to, to, to heal the brokenhearted here. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted. And it's the same word, the, the Greek word that is, is used here. Uh, let, me just, uh, let, me, let me just see if I can read this word here. Um, well, I don't have it right. I mean, I do have it somewhere in here, but I can't find it because we're moving forward. But the bottom line is, this word describes the ministry of the Lord to bring healing to those who are oppressed or those who are captive. The word describes people who are broken, the word this is, this is, uh, is translated as bruised in some translations, broken to pieces. And the Bible says that the Lord has come to bring healing in their lives. I'm amazed 
that sometimes people miss the compassion of Jesus. The Bible says that he looked out on the crowds in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 9, and he was moved within his very gut with compassion for the people who were like sheep without a shepherd. This word that is used in this passage, it speaks about a, a healing, a, 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 a change of life that begins with the compassion and the healing of the Lord. It, there is freedom here, and it is a freedom from sin's consuming destructibility. Sin takes a toll on people. People are walking around with, maybe they don't have guilt in terms of eternal guilt, but they have guilt in terms of being oppressed and being broken. You probably know somebody like that. They're struggling. And the Bible tells us that the answer comes in Christ, who gives us peace and joy. Again, there are a lot of problems with a lot of us Christians. And the church has not always been perfect, but the one thing that we must do is remind people that in Christ there is healing. There's forgiveness in eternity and justification, but there is also His presence, which is a comfort and a balm. to a life that has been ravaged and raw from the effects of sin. To those that are bruised, to those who are broken in pieces, to those who are broken hearted, to those who think there is no way they will ever get any better, Jesus is the answer. And Christmas, his first advent, is about recognizing that and receiving him. I hope you have a wonderful, merry Christmas. You know, the reality is that, uh, that so many people have an oppressed state of mind and they, even after they accept Christ, they get caught in this cycle and they just feel like they are, it's incapable. They're incapable of anything getting any better. And I'm telling you right now, when you accept Christ and you believe and trust in Him and you release everything to Him and you offer your life to Him, He changes your life. When you become a believer, He's with you. In your prayer closet, he's with you at work, he's with you at school. He, he gives you counsel and he, get, he gives you comfort and he, he gives you the opportunity to realize his loving presence and you can live a life free of debilitating depression. Now obviously there are different causes of depression and sometimes they're physical problems. But if you find yourself in a oppressed state, in an oppressed state, 
in a depressed state, then you need to do exactly what Elijah did when he found himself on a verge where he wanted to commit suicide. He wanted to die. He got along with the Lord. And God said, go to sleep, Elijah. And he went to sleep. And then God said, eat some food, Elijah. And he ate some food. And then Elijah got the still, small voice of the Lord. It wasn't in, the, it wasn't in the, the, the clap of thunder. It wasn't in the driving wind. It wasn't in the brilliant lightning. It wasn't in the heavy rain. But it was the still, small voice of God that said, You're not alone. You're not alone. There are many others who serve me. And you know what? It changed his life. And it can change yours as well. Let me just wrap this message up this morning. And let me just say to you that the Lord wants to deliver you and give you freedom. He wants to change your life. He wants to give you freedom from eternal death. He wants to give you freedom from that compelling inward depravity. He wants to give you a freedom from that corrupting infernal devilry that is all around us and works to make us enemies of God. He wants to give you freedom from that consuming defeatism and dejection and oppression that comes to the lives of those who live in this world. He wants you to have that freedom. But in order for you to know that freedom, you must come to Him, receive Him, and commit yourself to Him. And I long for that for you this day. Thank you so much for listening. For more information about First Baptist Church of Wildwood and our ministries, you can go to our website, fbcwildwood.org, our Facebook page, First Baptist Church of Wildwood, or our Instagram page, FB Wildwood. Have a great Jesus-filled day.